Welcome to Europarama, a podcast series about science fiction and the future of Europe. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Are We Europe, the podcasting family and magazine which collectively asks the question what it means to be European. My name is Giuseppe Porcaro and I'm the author of Discos Hour, a novel about Europe in the age of algorithms. And in each episode, I talk to a fellow writer and together we explore and create a fictional future for the old continent. I strongly believe that the future of the continent is not a one-way direction. And actually, science fiction can raise awareness that our own choices and the political choices that we have in front of us determine our future. Fiction is not prediction. So this is not a podcast by futurologists, This is a podcast by creative writers who are using science fiction to imagine different kinds of futures. In this episode, we will imagine what might happen to coastal cities in the Mediterranean if half of southern Europe will be flooded by rising waters due to climate change. Today, I'm happy to host Joana Bartolo. Hi, Joana. Hi, Giuseppe. Thanks for inviting me for your podcast. Uh, Joana is uh, a novelist and a playwright based in Lisbon. After living abroad for many years, actually, she has been in Europe and South America with a highlight to the year that she spent in Buenos Aires, volunteering at Eloisa Cartonera, if I pronounce that correctly, Um, a very special book publisher that works with the cartoneros, which are urban waste scavengers and um, that made handmade books. Joana uh, pursues a wide scope of interests through writing, using both the book as the stage and as a platform to investigate on ecology, technology, sustainability, narratives, among, among other topics. She has published three novels, two books of short stories and a children's book with Editorial Camino, one of the most prestigious Portuguese publishing houses, as well as other texts with other publishers in different collections and anthologies. Her latest novel is titled Ecologia, Ecology, and is set in a near future where the commodification of society reaches a point that language is privatized and we begin to pay for the words that we use. Speaking about ecology, Joana, a growing number of science fiction authors are talking about global warming overtly, imagining futures full of flooded cities, droughts, melting ice caps and other disasters. There is even a new label used for this, climate fiction or cli-fi. Shelley Strebe, a professor from the University of California, recently published an extensive analysis of the role of speculative fiction in imagining the future of climate change. She reviewed the various activists, artists and science fiction writers that from the 1960s to the present have imagined the consequences of global warming and its impacts on our future. Authors such as Octavia Butler and Leslie Marmon Silco movie directors such as Bong Joon-ho and creators of digital media such as uh, the makers of the Maori web series Anamata Future News have all envisioned future worlds during and after environmental collapse, engaging audiences to think about the Earth's sustainability. 
As public awareness on, of climate change has grown, so has the popularity of works of climate fiction that connect science with activism. I was thinking about cli-fi, uh, which is something we've been touching already in Roparama in some other episodes, also because we are both coming from a coastal city. Lisbon in your case, and Napoli for me. So I wanted to start the time-space exploration of today, imagining the impact of global warming on the coastal areas of Europe. Let's imagine we are hundreds of years from now, and geography has changed. The sea levels raise, and the coastline of our continent has heavily changed. How would you imagine such new geography of Europe, not just physical geography, but also political and human geography? My imagination tends always towards the scenario uh, exactly because of what you say, uh, probably because I, I was born and raised by the, by the sea in Lisbon and I al always had these attractions by, uh, for port cities, uh, cities which are ports and are by the ocean or by the river or by the sea. Um, so I think when you sit there with your feet in the water in the summertime, you, you, you always think of how it would be if the, if the cities were flooded. And of course, Lisbon has this in its history, uh, a tsunami wave. Uh, or a wave was, that was produced by the tsunami and that uh, came uh, and took the city. Um, and, and this is part of somehow our imagination of the worst of days. Uh, but when you consider the entire country and the entire uh, continent, um, for example, one thing I always uh, imagine is uh, which cities would be Uh, submerged first because I, I imagine that it, the movement wouldn't be even I mean I imagine that Venice would be gone in a second or or the Netherlands or London uh, but maybe other coast cities would take more time I mean it depends on, on the tides on what sort of ecological catastrophe this would mean but I, I imagine that it wouldn't be an, an even it's not uh, uh, I don't know one kilometer of land uh, regularly uh, distributed um, by the continent so this would necessarily create um, a political disequilibrium because some cities would have the, um, the capability of responding For example, I know that Venice has like invested, I don't know, millions perhaps in building uh, underwater, how do you say, walls? Yeah, dumb, yeah. Uh, down in the water, this very sophisticated system, they, they, they built many of them to prevent actually the city of being flooded in the next years, which is uh, already a, a problem that they are tackling because of the nature of the of, of how the city was constructed um, but other cities I don't think they they ever see it coming I don't know I don't know little Genova or I mean is London thinking about this or uh, so many Santorini or I don't know there's so many cities by the the most of them we don't even know their names because we always think of Côte d'Azur or something very obviously by the, the water and we forget that small village with 
five houses that I don't even know the name, um, but still it's also going to get flooded. So people will, will also come inside. So they will, how do you say, retreat to, to the interior and the interior will be the new coast. So that's also interesting, no? The interior that is be being depopulated in the past 50, 60 years, let's say, especially in the Mediterranean countries, you know, like I, I come from, uh, from the outskirts of Naples, actually. And uh, the more you go inland, the less, uh, uh, the less people there are in, in villages that used to be, uh, uh, you know, having their own agriculture and, and economy. And then everyone has been going towards the coast or towards the bigger cities and all the inland indeed especially in south of Italy uh, which is quite mountainous you know the, we have we have the Apennini which is um, which is a mountains uh, ra uh, range and all the the villages in the Apennini they are almost uh, deserted now so indeed they could be uh, repopulated somehow Yeah, the, maybe the, the, we would find a, a balance now between the coastal line and the interior, which is, uh, at least in Portugal, Portugal very um, unbalanced. Um, but also, if I mean, people, maybe they wouldn't move 100 kilometers inside, they would move 20, I don't know. And you would actually uh, have a lot of people moving into the suburbs. Right. Um, the outskirts of the city and not actually leaving the city, but just going into the, the, the places which are not by the water. Uh, and that would really change the face of some of the most famous cities we, we know in Europe right now. Um, and that could also be interesting. It actually reminds me of, of, of Buenos Aires in a way, because of, um, I remember uh, being there in La Boca, which is also by the water. Um, and it's a, it's now a poor neighborhood, but you can see in the archi architectural lines that it was once very prosperous. And uh, for what I was told, there was this yellow fever that made the rich go north to what is now rich Buenos Aires, Palermo, and so on. Um, and and um, so there, there was a movement that was not aquatic in the sense that made uh, wealth go inside. And that really changes the, the 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 way a city a city looks like. Um, I have to say that uh, when when speaking about the retreat of um, of the land, uh, I mean, like the the advancement of the sea levels and so on, especially in the Mediterranean, um, like in a more uh, remote future kind of scenario. It makes me think about, well, Venice again, but with more technology. Like, I'm kind of tempted to imagine a future where Napoli uh, would be submerged, but some sort of new Napoli. And by the way, Napoli is uh, Neapolis in, um, in Greece, which means new city. So I can imagine a new, new city, which would raise from... Uh, from the waters, literally, and start some sort of movement of uh, not floated city, but floating cities. And I kind of like to imagine this new Mediterranean populated by very large cities which are floating, 
maybe connected to the land with some sort of sophisticated systems, not just like bridges and so on, but I don't know, like a system of, of, um, of ropes or, I don't know, some sort of things that, that, that stays connected to the land. But then they are floating in the Mediterranean and uh, they eventually could form some sort of new kind of uh, political entity or political network, which would be different from uh, what we are used to know. So a lot of these uh, small islands would appear by the coast, right? So the, the higher areas of the city wouldn't get submerged. Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, Malta or like, uh, well, sure. Naples, you mentioned Barcelona uh, and many others, you know, it could be quite, quite a lot. You mentioned port cities um, and somehow this could be like some sort of hook. I mean, I imagine, for instance, that the Chinese might have a very strategic interest to keep uh, ports very active in the Mediterranean and therefore investing heavily in this kind of floating infrastructure, which would be like somehow the, the centerpiece of the economy of those floating cities. And therefore there will be like some sort of new connected network of, uh, of uh, container ships and, and platforms. And from there, like having quite of a weird, weird status, you know, like I imagine the Chinese, uh, uh, investing into this this network and then this network being some sort of semi-independent new state um, that is in between different parts of the Mediterranean, somehow connected to China, somehow connected to the rest of Europe, somehow it will be like the new the new transnational uh, federation of cities that they would rise from from that natural catastrophe yeah that's that's a, a great the roots of trade would become a, an entity of of, of themselves um, I mean for sure the the where would the new the new landmarks of trade the new port cities would would where would they reappear that's that would be really interesting to to and I, I mean I just imagine for example that um, uh, how do you say it in English? The Black Sea and the Caspian mm -hmm. would just become the Mediterranean. So a lot of this market uh, strategies that now rule the Mediterranean would have to be completely reconfigured. And um, true. And I'm, I'm sure. I mean, the Chinese are already. They have already invested a lot in, in Africa, but also in Europe to to build this this. Port, this port connections and this trade connections. So th this would really be a way for them to step in. Um, though, if the if the level rises, th I mean, it, they would also have a, a lot of problems to to handle in their homeland. And this is also one thing that it's. I mean, because I think we always imagine a gradual rise like it has been in the last 25 years or so, or so that it has been rising i don't know 3 millimeters 5 millimeters per year um, but it would be very different if if this is a um, a year by year um, 
uh, incident or if it's a catastrophic uh, huge waves of, of water with the massive destruction com coming in because th that, th that makes it depend if the cities are able to reconstruct themselves or just ab adapt. What you say uh, makes me think about another possible, uh, you know, uh, mixed scenario. You know, it can be a combination of both. The Mediterranean is a very uh, volcanic uh, area. Uh, there are a lot of earthquakes. There has been in the past, uh, uh, even not that, that long past, I mean, we're speaking about a few hundred years ago, the appearance of new islands in, in the Mediterranean that then disappeared again overnight. I don't know if you heard about it. And um, I could imagine, for example, I mean, again, coming from Napoli, who, where we have the Vesuvio, we have the, the Campi Flegrei, which is like a huge volcano, which is uh, sitting uh, around, around uh, a big urbanized area, that all of a sudden there could be this mix, you know, like you will have the climate change, which would gradually change the, the sea level, but then maybe a big earthquake or multiple earthquakes plus volcanic volcanic er, uh, eruptions might uh, might make this process uh, faster than it would be so so having this sort of catastrophic event which would change totally the the geography of of the continent yeah or in link areas which are not linked or i don't know it it can really change the the, the drawing the the silhouette of what we consider to be Europe, um, and this would—I mean, for me, the, the the main the main question would be how would the different economical powers ally or unite to uh, help um, those within Europe which ha uh, which have less economic power? Because this is a, a problem that already in our days, you know, like the the north and south divide in Europe. And how, for example, we handle the immigration crisis, the the countries which are not directly affected by it, how they reacted to Italy or Greece, which are somehow a frontier uh, to Europe. But it's not an Italian or a Greek prop. Uh, problem because what what the what these these people desire is to enter European land. So this is a sort of scenario that uh, we should be tackled as a collective. And the problems is that it most often is not, um, which m makes me think if something happened like this with water, depending on on which countries the damage would be higher or the uh, or where you would need new infra infrastructures to contain or answer to the new, I don't know, geographical demands. I, I would really want to know if European remains united or is this, I don't know, uh, south of France fighting the Mediterranean, like an isolated um, problem. We could have in the, the future somehow the formerly known Mediterranean, which, as you say, will be a much larger sea because it will be with the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, so it will be really connecting the East and the West. It will be like somehow a very new form of Silk Road, especially combined with technology and those floating cities that might be connected to the land, but they might also be floating and, and, and changing uh, geography, geographical position, for example. 
Um, so I could kind of easily imagine this new federation of floating cities, which would be like the new powerful um, league somehow uh, that would replace the current geopolitics of today. And somehow it, uh, I mean, I would like to imagine this as uh, some sort of new transnational federation, uh, maybe not only European, because in this case you will have quite a big part of uh, of uh, of Asia, which would be connected. So the real geography of the continent would, would truly change, you know, like there would be like some sort of uh, fluid and water continent, which would be perhaps united, where there would be like these floating cities, which will have this new kind of uh, geographical and political union. And then maybe the land that stays could be as well somehow connected and, and facing this new geographical reality. So somehow would be some sort of two unions or two federations or whatever they could be called, but two new political entities that will emerge out of this catastrophe, one which is an entity of land and the other one that will be an entity of sea. Yeah. And, and the seas would play an even larger role as territories for trade, I would imagine, as well. Exactly, exactly. And that's where China would play in within Europe's affairs directly. Yeah, by this time, China is then now a new superpower. Somehow, maybe the floods affected uh, North America in such a degree. Um, I mean, it would really take a, a lot of water to cover that immense mass of, of land. But uh, but somehow, I mean, the, the how do you say the, the risk is already in place that the, that China can become um, uh, a superpower in many ways, uh, which, which makes me think of all of so many culture, not just trade, but so many cultural aspects that 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 come from this, uh, uh, this but, but, but maybe the crisis of the water rising would be the way that, that China definitely becomes an ally um, more, than, more, than, more than in an economical sense, but actually, I mean, like after the, the World War, there was money to rebuild, um, hmm. and this, this somehow made different new unions between uh, formerly uh, remote countries. Maybe to, to tackle this crisis, uh, we would have to unite with China more. Perhaps that would be a scenario. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, but maybe zooming in a little bit from geopolitical aspects to daily life, um, do you have an idea about how daily life or like people would live in those uh, floating cities? Mm. I mean, there's so many, maybe I don't really believe in the self-driving car. Somehow I always find it um, something, a, a fashion that will easily disappear. But uh, maybe self-driving boats, um, maybe the maybe we, we would be using, using water much more as a surface and flying less. Uh, because I mean, after damaging the the ecology as we have already done, perhaps I would like to imagine that this time of adaptation and and survival, we would actually be these these 
these island states that are now, these city island states that are now emerging would be uh, sustainable havens and people wouldn't fly. They would just go on their boats everywhere. Uh, and maybe these, these territories would be self-sufficient and, um, I don't know. After using using solar power and uh, wind power from the sea. Yeah. Uh, waves, tidal tidal power as well. Yeah, that after, I mean, we start by a, a tragic scenario, but then we could actually move away from the, the a, a dystopia that brings an utopia, so to say. Um, and in the sense, I would like to imagine that people are not flying from island to island. The, the boat system is really good. Um, and, and the daily life in this, in this uh, so people were, went more into the inside as well. Also, for fear of a recurring tragedy, people are not so keen to stay on the coast, so they would occupy the previous, previously deserted um, lands that are inside and dedicate themselves more to agriculture. Um, I don't know, it could really be a, a dispersion of people outside of the cities and throughout lands. Hmm, that's, that's very... Indeed, a very interesting way of turning a catastrophic scenario into an opportunity for for the continent to become more sustainable to a certain extent, to to become also kind of uh, you know like change change modes of life, uh, as you say, uh, going by boat instead of by flying. Um, changes also the perspective, you know, like the way you look at things. You know, this answer. If I mean, if you accept the the, the, the tragedy for sure, if something like this happened, um, uh, the, the the destruction and the loss of lives would be granted. Um, I was just trying to bring it into a positive spin of how we could actually take all these. I mean, I don't mean just water, but every catastrophe that we have on our way that was uh, human made. Um, and 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 try to use it somehow to to actually adapt to to the to the speeds in which uh, the the climate change are happening now. Mm, so and in this new um, Europe, basically it will be somehow because we spoke about the Mediterranean and the Caspian Sea. This will be more like almost like a transcontinental space and a fluid space between continents. So even the concept of Europe as we know it, like not speaking about political, but geographical Europe will change. So Europe as such will be probably something that is more linked to Asia, as we say, and, and Europe and Asia will come together. That kind of, that kind of future, I mean, that, that, that's something that I could kind of imagine, you know, in this scenario from the land point of view. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Europe is not in itself a, a large territory com compared to other continents. So to imagine it growing even smaller um, is intense. And and one question that pops up is how, what role would Russia play in all this, given that it's such an immense piece of land, um, and mostly dehabitized, de de how do you say, without people? Um uh, this this is a big uh, question mark. Like, what if 
for sure, I imagine the, the 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 new alliance with Asia. This could make sense if 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 China has this uh, proactive and constructive approach to to maybe helping Europe in this time of need. But um, the big question mark is what would what how how would Russia um, place itself in in such um, a transition? Indeed, I think that Russia would not be so, so happy if the world Europe and this new floating space is going to be connected directly to China. So there will be a new polarization between China and Russia, I would say, in this in this scenario. Um, at least that, that's what kind of uh, makes me think. Or actually another thing that could happen is that Russia could be the champion of the land uh, kind of part of uh, of this uh, Eurasian continent, while China will be the champion of the floating network. And this way, there could be like a very new kind of geopolitical dividing line among, among this new entity, this new, this new kind of continent that is emerging. I can also think that somehow the, the eagerness to bring down the United States could motivate Russia to somehow uh, um, be a complice or even an ally in this mu movement if it meant that uh, China together with Europe and Russia uh, bring uh, down the United States. Um, well, it's not, li it's not like that that it's looking right now, but uh, that could be somehow a narrative, um, a narrative thread to explain uh, Uh, how, how Russia would allow this Europe-Asia... Indeed, it's, it's certainly a narrative that could fit as some sort of spy story within the fame of this uh, new post-ecological cataclysm kind of uh, uh, Europe-slash-Mediterranean-slash-you-know-New-Caspian uh, or something. Is there any other uh, aspect of this world that um, that you would like to explore further? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about it as we go along because it's for me what is really hard in this in this uh, prospective exercise is to isolate just the the water rising because that I mean for for sure the planet it's such an interconnected web of cause and consequence. Um, that um, it's it's very hard to just imagine this one consequence without disrupting the whole. I mean, seasons would change. Would would Europe become uh, um, how do you say very very cold, uh, and then perhaps we, we we would be doing tourism in Africa more. I don't know um, because. Uh, The whole, the whole equilibrium, the whole climateric equilibrium would definitely be very different. And then, I mean, Europe is not looking like Europe anymore, not just on the map, but perhaps because it's covered in, in ice or, or, or somehow it's very hot suddenly. Um, and, and I'm thinking, I tend to think about um the interconnected of co interconnectedness of consequences and i have a, a hard time isolating just this one thing that happens from from the rest yeah the 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 wall in order to fully get the idea of 
how this is going to work out, you need to think about so many variables at the same time. You know, like it's not just simply you think about the sea rising, but you need to think about many other aspects and and basically the whole the the whole environment changing. You know, like the whole the whole idea that we have of Europe changing totally and drastically. But that's, I mean, that's a good exercise in the sense that it's always like that when you think of uh, uh, climate variables, it's things are so interconnected that um, if you move one little piece of the puzzle, the whole thing just collapses in a totally different direction. And that's also what, how, why it's so difficult to think, to, to speak about future scenarios uh, these days. Uh, but just for the the sake of the the imagination exercise, I think we're trying to imagine that the the sea level rises without m many other uh, remarkable differences. Yeah, I would say so. Like for the sake of our exercise, I wouldn't go so far to imagine too much things changing. Beside, you know, the water is changing, the the cities are changing, but. Somehow, culturally speaking, uh, Europe stays uh, what it is, but they they just try to adapt and they form these new alliances in order to survive somehow and to rebalance the the, the power between the land and the sea. So something like uh, yeah, okay, there is going to be a floating island, there's going to be a floating Naples, more technological, more sustainable, but the people that would live there would try to replicate the same kind of lifestyle that they might have now like the cultural side of it maybe could be could be somehow kept you know like um i could imagine uh, a new system of pizza ovens that might be floating and uh, you know like instead of having a mac drive uh, where you go with the um, with your car, you will have like some sort of uh, uh, floating floating pizza services, uh, delivering and um, and things like that. You know, like also to to find a little bit of a light-hearted tone and, and note to to this imagination. Yeah, you know? one funny thing that just came up uh, also because of China and the way they always build this uh, simulacrum. This how do you say this? Uh, uh, this fake versions of of things they want to know. And, and I once saw the website of a huge park that they have. Uh, I wouldn't know wh where it is, and I don't know if 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 it's Japan actually. But I, but but the the idea is not uh, actually a commentary on Japan on China. But it's this this uh, because they're, they're, they have a reproduction in this park of the Eiffel Tower, for example, or the Big Ben, or and actually, I mean. If London disappeared, I, I think as as Europeans, I mean, just the cult cultural heritage that is London, what London means to us in our narratives, I imagine that somehow we would want to rebuild a version of like a museum-like version of London, but perhaps not even in not even there, maybe in the I don't know, in the south of Germany there would be New London, and it. Would Looking just like London, I don't know, with the big ban and everything, but um, but it wouldn't, of course, be London. And you'd have a, a second Paris and a second Marseille and a second uh, uh, Hamburg and 
um, just reprodu reproductions of these CDs in other places. And this, the Chinese could definitely help. Absolutely. And probably they would do so because they think that this is a, a good, not only for Europeans that wants to keep their heritage, but this would be like some sort of things to drive the tourist industry of, uh, of China and say, yeah, you know, we're still going to Europe to see London, Paris, uh, and, and you name it, you know. That, that would be kind of interesting side note and interesting, uh, an interesting funny, funny detail in this, in this uh, new world. I think that uh, we've, we've been, I mean, that was quite fun to, to imagine, even if it uh, had some catastrophic uh, prompt and initiation. But uh, I would say that it was, it was really, really fun to co-create this, um, this future with you. Thank you very much for participating to this episode. Thank you for inviting me. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for listening Europa Rama. You can check out more episodes and other shows of the Are We Europe podcasting family, as well more detailed information and links in the show notes. In the next episode, I will speak with Cory Doctorow, whom you will probably know already. Cory is a Canadian-British blogger, journalist, and science fiction author who serves as co-editor of the blog Boing Boing. We are going to discuss together digital rights, creative commons and copyrights. We will also get inspired from the world building of his new book, Radicalized, to sketch social, technological and economic visions of today and what Europe could be in the near, near future. Looking forward to speaking to him. Until then, bye bye.